Amen. Good morning, church. Like Matt said earlier, my name is Stevie Franks, and I work with our students here at uh, Grace City, and kind of had the sniffles for like the last three weeks, and I've been trying to, um, I finally got some medicine this week because I treated like all my other problems in life and ignored it, and it didn't go away. Uh, so I finally got some medicine, and uh, so hopefully this morning I won't be sniffling all um, the time. But we're wrapping up a series uh, this week called Cultivate. We've been going through the month of November uh, talking about dis- uh, finding the discipline, cultivating the discipline of gratitude in our daily lives and how do we do that. And I think as we wrap up this morning, I really want to look at like when it's, it's not always easy, right? Like it's not always easy to be grateful. Like how many times do we find ourselves throughout the week in moments or places or situations where it's just like, you know, I, well, I can't be grateful right now. Like we, we go through challenges. Life is hard. Right? In, in those moments when we're talking about all, all month about you should give thanks, right, and, and what giving thanks and cultivating that discipline does, but if we're real with ourselves, it's, it's, it's really not easy because when we leave this place, life happens, right? Life hits us in the face. So what do we do in those moments where it, it can be difficult to, to look up to God and, and be grateful, uh, and how do we cultivate that discipline even in the midst of, of those trials, so what we'll do, we'll look at kind of the life of Paul, both his life and his message of, of how we can still be grateful in the midst of, of those trials. And if you know think about Paul, Paul has a, an insane story how you know, he went from being a persecutor of the church. He was a religious leader as a Jew, and the early church there, he, he would literally, his job was to go and find Christians, find these churches, and have them executed, have them persecuted. And, and that was his job. And in fact, in, in Acts chapter 9, we see he was headed to Damascus to find some Christians to, to have them locked up. And on the way to Damascus, he met this Jesus whom he was persecuting. And how awesome of a life change that God did in the life of Paul there on that road to Damascus. And, and then Paul would go on to being a persecutor, to being a church planner. It would go across the Mediterranean world preaching the good news of Jesus and and helping start all of these churches. And so we'll look at a couple of his letters this morning that he wrote to those churches. And the first one will be in 1 Thessalonians, if you want to go ahead and turn your scriptures there. And 1 Thessalonians, Paul wrote this letter to the church at Thessalonica. This was a lot of young believers there in the church. They were newly um, surrendered to Christ. And so he was right to encourage them. And Kind of toward the end, in his conclusion of the letter, Paul just starts throwing out like a lot of truths, right, that they should live by. And, uh, and so he throws out kind of multiple ones here in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. And so that's uh, where we'll pick up. Starting verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's very short, very sweet. Now, I encourage you, like, you know, if you're trying to buffer up your, your scripture memory, these are three easy ones, right? Like, you can just nail down three of them just like that. But Paul's saying to the church here, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Now, all these three things are, are three things that he's commanding us as the church to, to do, and it's three things that we can, we can control, right? It's, it's, three, it's a choice to do these three things. Many of the things that happen to us in our lives are outside of our control. They're things that, that, that just happen to us. But how we respond to those situations in life that are difficult is our choice, right? How we respond and, and how Paul says respond is for one to rejoice always. And us as, as God's people, we as God's people have the ultimate reason to rejoice. 
Right? The fact that, that God loved us so much that he would send his only son who would live the perfect life on our behalf and then die on a sinner's cross on our behalf. That now, when we place our faith in him, we, don't, we receive his righteousness. We receive his perfect life, and, and he bore our sin. He bore our shame. And not only that, but rose from the grave on the third day to prove that he is victorious over death and sin. Right? So us... We in here can be thankful for that. We can rejoice in who Christ is and what he's done on our behalf and above all other people. And truly, that's what this is all about. That's why we gather, right? That all of us in here, for real, we're, we're, we're broken people, right? We, we deal with the troubles of the weak. None of us in here come as, as whole people. We don't come with our lives together. We may look like it, right? We, we put on nice clothes. We, we smile, right? But really, we don't have it together. We just went through Monday through Saturday, dealing with life. And now we show up here and, and it's just a, a community of people who are broken, who need the love of Jesus. And we come together and we sing these songs of hope and we, we draw our hearts back to him and we're renewed spiritually and we're called to go out and to live that spiritual renewness, renewness out in our lives. That's why we come to church. So we, we rejoice in the fact of who Christ is and what he's done on our behalf. So we can rejoice always despite our present circumstances. And more than that, Paul says to pray without ceasing. This doesn't mean, like, pray 24 hours a day, right? Like, walking down the hall, like, Susan, don't talk to me. Like, I'm praying. This is, I'm getting my 24 hours in. Like, but no, it's, it's this idea of, of never hanging up the phone, right? And it reminds me of kind of an embarrassing story myself. Uh, when I was a teenager, I was in eighth grade when I got my first cell phone. I know now kids get them in, like, fourth grade. But I was in eighth grade, and me and a few friends, you know, we had cell phones for the first time, and and of course, what are you going to do? You're going to use it, right? You're so excited. And this is before really text messaging. Like it costs money to send one text message. So no one did that. And so literally, like on the weekends, me and my friends would just, we would call each other on the cell phone. And we would just, just kind of be on the phone with each other like all day long. Like for no reason at all. Maybe like, Stevie, what y'all talk about all day? I'm like nothing. <laughs> really nothing. Like we'd be talking about the football games we're watching. Or literally like it would be kind of awkward because I'd be on the phone with my friend and he's getting like scolded by his parents. I'm just like, this is awkward. But we're just all day. We're just on the phone with each other. Just stupid. Right? But it's that idea of just constant communication. That pray without ceasing. That, that we don't hang up the phone on God. And I find so many times in my own life, in the morning, I do my devotion time, right? I spend some time in prayer to the Lord. And then it's like I close it and I'm done, check it off, and I go throughout the rest of my day. But that's not how God desires our relationship. It's not just the mornings, but it's this idea of I'm constantly walking with the Lord throughout the day. It doesn't mean I'm constantly like in prayer, constantly in the word, but it's driving to work, right? That's also that's an awesome time to sit there and just be grateful to God, like praying to him. God, thank you so much. For my coworkers, even though I hate them, right? Like, thank you for my job. Not the pastors at the church. Not the, I wasn't talking about my coworkers. But uh, I love all those guys and Emily. But, um, but it's just never hanging up the phone with God, right? Like, it's constant line of communication. Your relationship with God doesn't just end when you do your quiet time. God desires a relationship with us 24 hours a day. He, he is our Lord and Savior that wants to walk with us, praying without ceasing, keeping that phone line open. So pray without ceasing, and then give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. And this is what's insane, that Paul encourages believers to give thanks in all circumstances. Thankfully, Paul doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances, right? Because I think we all would realize that there's things in our lives that it's very difficult to be grateful for. 
right, when, when real life happens, like when we face the miscarriage, when we lose our job, when somebody close to us hurts us, or when we make a boneheaded mistake and, and we have to suffer the consequences for it, how in, in those places, in trouble with family, right, we're getting close to Thanksgiving, the holidays, and for some, that's tough, right? <laughs> Suffering, being part of, close to your family. How in those moments are we able to give thanks in all circumstances? And this truth from Paul, Paul's exhortation to us to give thanks, it, it even becomes deeper and more crazy when you learn more about Paul and his journey. See, in, in, first, in 2 Corinthians, and if you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to read a passage where Paul is sadly now, as a, right, he's a gospel minister, he's, he's put all these churches, and here he's writing his second letter to the church in Corinth. And there was people in the church who were actually trying to undermine Paul's authority, undermine Paul's teaching, really because of, of the trials that he's gone through. Because in I mean, it's still present today, but in this culture, it's this idea that if you're faithful to God, if you're obedient to God, then your life is going to be good and blessed. And if you're not obedient to God, then you're going to have failures. You're going to have trials. And so for them, they looked at Paul's life and was like, how can you trust this guy and his teaching? Look at what he has done. So Paul, in 2 Corinthians here, lays out a little bit of his life and shows us that, what it really means to be a follower of Christ. So we'll start in verse 23 of chapter 11, 2 Corinthians. And here he's writing to, as a rebuttal to all these people speaking out against him. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold, cold and exposure. So Paul's laying out, this is what I've experienced. And, I mean, it sounds... Paul's journey sounds more like an Indiana Jones meets like Jack Sparrow, right? Like kind of a journey, just the crazy things he's experienced. But Paul is completely destroying the narrative that faithfulness to God leads to comfort. Right? He's destroying that narrative. Like that's, that's not the truth. That we can be completely faithful to God and we're still going to face trials in this life. We're still going to suffer. That's, that's part of the essence of, of, of life and being in this broken world. So it has nothing to do with our faithfulness to God. So he's destroying that whole narrative. In, in fact, Paul is, is saying that it's actually more synonymous with being a follower of Christ to experience sufferings. Actually, if you're going to be a true servant of Jesus, like you're probably going to face some trials and tribulations along the way. Jesus himself said in John 16, that in this world you will face trouble. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. Right? So Jesus himself says, you want to follow me? Like, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. Things are going to happen. It's, 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 there's no sugar cookie way to, to follow it, right? That in this world you will face trouble, but take heart. For I, Jesus, has overcome the world. So this idea of following Christ doesn't lead to comfort, doesn't lead to ease. It's really the opposite. I mean, Christians in, in China right now actually, like, it's, if you're not a Christian that's, been, that's going to jail for your faith, like, you're not even taken seriously. Right? It's like a badge of honor to have had been locked up for your faith in Jesus, because that means you're the real deal. 
And here, like, I get upset when my barista's taking too long on my coffee, right? Like, what, the challenges we face in some ways are so small, but, but still in others, it's still difficult, right? That we, we think that when we come to Jesus and we give him our life, that, that it's going to be so easy, this path and, and all this. And that's just not always the case, unfortunately. So how do we give thanks in all circumstances, despite what we see, despite what we're dealing with and the struggles of life that we have? Because it's not easy to cultivate that discipline of gratitude in those moments. And for Paul, for him, it was a shift of our focus. It's not having the vision of what's going on around us, what we're dealing with right now, but it's shifting our focus to Jesus and what he has done on our behalf and what's promised to do. In Romans 5, if you want to go ahead and turn there, this letter to the church at Rome, Paul is showing them what it really means to follow Christ and, and how in suffering, God is actually doing something in the suffering and that we can have hope through the suffering and even be grateful. So we'll pick up in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, where Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So how is Paul able to be grateful despite life's circumstances, despite the troubles that he has faced? Because he has fixed his eyes on Christ and on the hope that is Christ Jesus. And what is that hope? It's the fact he lays it out. Since we've been justified by faith, right, now, because of the work of Christ, because of who he is and what he has done, we're justified through our belief and trusting in him. And we receive his righteousness. And he receives our sin and shame. And, and that We've been justified by faith that we're able to rejoice, right? He said, we just talked about that earlier. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope, the glory of God. So we as God's people have this opportunity to, to rejoice in our sufferings, to rejoice in despite what's going on, because we place our, our hope on the glory of God. That he has promised not only to be with us in this life, but he's promised that that the story didn't end at the cross. The story didn't end when he rose from the grave. The story didn't end when this book ended, but the story goes on. That one day Christ has promised to come back. And he's going to eternally reign on earth. And we as his people get to reign with him. He's going to wipe away every tear. Wipe away every pain from his people. And then we get to be with the perfect God forever. That's the hope that we have. As we look forward to that, we shift our focus from the now, from what we're dealing with now, we shift it to eternity, to what God has promised. That's how we're able to rejoice. That's how we're able to have hope. And even amidst the suffering, we can rejoice. But why? Paul goes on. Thankfully, he doesn't stay there. He says, suffering, we can rejoice in suffering, in verse 3, knowing that suffering produces endurance. She says, rejoice in the suffering. When you face trouble, when you face difficult times in your life, you can actually rejoice. We can actually rejoice in our sufferings because we know it has a purpose. That suffering produces endurance. Right? This idea of endurance is it's like a runner, right? It's like if you went out to go for a run, and as soon as it got difficult, you stopped, which would me would be like instantly. But if it's, you stop, as soon as you face some difficulty in your running, like you would never grow as a runner. 
right? You could not run a marathon. Like, in our bodies, our physical bodies, how it's meant suffering helps produce endurance. The more that we, we put our bodies to test, the stronger we get. And that suffering, we can rejoice in suffering because we know it's building up this endurance. Your translation may say perseverance in God's people, right? The things that we deal with in this life is building us up. That when I lost my job and, and if I saw God provide for that loss, that now, next time I lose my job, I've struggled and it's built up endurance in me because I saw God provide last time, I know he will this time. The sufferings I've experienced in the past has produced endurance for me as I move forward in the future. When I face future suffering, I'm more prepared. Suffering has that purpose of producing endurance, and then endurance produces character. This idea of character, it's not like, man, look at him. Like, he's a nice guy. Like, he's awesome. This idea of character is really the, the word there. Is, it's like gold being put under fire, right, to test its purity, to test that it is what it says it is. Right, so this idea of, of endurance pr- producing character, it, it's like tried integrity. Integrity put to test. That as we've experienced suffering in this life, and as that builds up endurance in us, it leads to us truly becoming a follower of Christ and, 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 and refining us into God's people, into how, who he has, and molding us and shaping us into who he has for us. That's what we experience as, as we suffer, as we go through the trials of his life, that God wants to use that to build up his people. As it produces endurance, and endurance leads to our character being proven and tried and tested and strengthened. And that character ultimately produces hope. That's what we all want, right? We want hope. We want to have hope in something. So that this chain reaction of suffering in our lives we can rejoice in because ultimately... The sufferings in our life produces hope. As we shift our eyes from the suffering, we look to God. And the whole idea of hope, what hope means, is to have confidence, to look forward with confidence to something that is promised. So to have a hope in Jesus is to look forward to what he has promised with confidence. We know it's going to happen because God keeps his word. And he's promised not only to be with us now, but he has a perfect plan. And he's bringing in this eternal plan for us to be with him in peace with God. That the Bible says in Ephesians 2, Paul writes that because of our sin, we were enemies of God. Right? But now, through the work of Christ, we've brought into God's family and we have peace with God. And our eternal hope is that we get to reign with him for eternity and be with him in paradise. Like That's a hope. Like that's something to hold fast to. And that just as much as, as being grateful and having thanksgiving is a discipline, it really ultimately leads to the discipline of having hope, of cultivating hope in our lives, something that we can stand on and live by. And that this is the reason why Paul was able to write in 1 Thessalonians to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Not because life is easy. Not because we just look over the tough times, but because God is able to use our tough times and and shift our focus to him and his goodness and what he has provided and what he has promised for his people. And we have to hold fast to that and know that suffering ultimately leads to our good. And that's truly what God does. Right? God is in the business of turning broken things, horrible things, and somehow shifting them and molding them and turning them into something good and worth something. That's the business that God is in. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, those who have called according to his purpose. Right, so there's, there's something special and unique in God's plan 
where he allows his people to experience tough times. And we go through the brokenness of life. We experience terrible things. And somehow in his goodness, in his power, he takes that, molds it, shapes it, breathes his life onto it, and turns it into something beautiful. I've seen it time and time again in my own life, and I'm sure you have as well. For me, it's, you know, many of you know kind of a little bit my story, but like how I grew up, but in just long story short, like it was just not good, right? Just broken home, broken family, and grew up with my dad, and was experienced to a lot of things as a child that a child should not be exposed to, whether that be, you know, illegal substances or illegal actions or whatever it is, but all that to say is for a long time I was bitter. For a long time I was angry, like looking at my friends who had good families and had anything they wanted and like, why, why can't I have that? You know, what did I do to deserve this? Whatever that, that is. But as I found Christ, and as I started walking with the Lord, and he, and he breathed his Holy Spirit into my life and began to show me that, that, yes, I've experienced tough times, okay? But him, being good, being powerful, can take that and use it for good, just like he promises in Romans 8. And so, I mean, this last week I was able to experience that, honestly, on, on Wednesday nights. We here in the gym have midweek, and, and students come and play basketball, and we have pizza, and I lead a time in the Word. And, and a student came up to me this Wednesday night, and I could tell something was wrong when he came up to me. And he said, last night, so Tuesday night, I was um, in the car with some friends, and, and uh, the guy in the back seat was playing with a gun. And it went off, and the girl in the driver's seat was shot and killed. And that kid in the back seat, 18 years old, now convicted of manslaughter. And just, it's horrible, right? And seeing Kenny's brokenness over that and what he experienced in, I mean, there's really nothing you can truly say, right, to, to help or to fix it, but because of some of the things that I've experienced in my life and knowing that God's placed me here for this time, right, to minister to this student, and I was able to share some things that God's brought me through in times where I've seen, you know, terrible situations very similar turn out for good, and that, that God is still good. God is still on his throne. God is still worthy of our praise. God is still worthy of our service to him because he is good and he is God alone, right? And God able to take my mess and somehow use it for good. And that's what God's in the business of doing. He wants to do that in all of our lives. We're like, what are those things in your life, the, the troubles, the trials, the sufferings that God's brought you through that now he desires to use you as an instrument of grace and hope to somebody else? We all have it, right? We all have something that God allows us to go through suffering so that we can be built up in endurance, so that we can be proven in our characters, and that ultimately leads to our hope in him, and that hope spills over to all around us, right? If you have that true hope of Jesus Christ in your heart, like, it, it can't be contained. And that spills over to all those around us. We're able to use our experiences. You've lost your job. You have a friend that loses theirs. Let me, like, I know it's tough. Let me show you how God provided for me. You had a miscarriage, so did I. Let me, let me show you what, what brought peace to me, how God ministered to me in that moment. Like your, your parents divorced, like let me, let me show you how like God has, has built me up after that, right? Like the things in our lives that, that has happened to us, God wants to take them and use them for good because ultimately everything in our lives is for him and for his purpose and for his glory, right? And that's the whole reason he gives us anything and he breathes life into us so we can be instruments of his grace to those around us. So I hope that as we develop this gratitude, this, this discipline of gratitude, that we know that even when it's not easy, 
we can still be grateful, right? We can rejoice in him because of who he is and look forward to his promises. And that more than that, something like God doesn't even stop there, but he's calling us to use those troubles. That I, how whacked up it is, I can be grateful for my childhood because God's able to use that for other people to hear about the gospel in a unique way. In the same way in your life, whatever that may be for you, we all have it. And as God calls us along this journey with him, he calls us to be a part of his redeeming work, right? As a follower of Christ, as a believer, we're made up as ministers of the gospel, regardless of where you are, where you work, what you deal with, and that God is in the healing business and using broken people to heal other broken people, right? And that's what we are as the church. And so I hope that we, we leave here and we go to Thanksgiving and we go to the holidays knowing that we serve a good, amazing, and holy God who allows us to be a part of his work here on this earth. It, that's re- calls for rejoicing, right? That calls for being grateful. So when we face the trial, when we face the tough part, we're able to take heart and find some way to be grateful because we know the God that we serve and we see the hope. We have fixed our eyes on the future hope and glory of Jesus Christ and what he has promised. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much just for hope. In fact, to us, as people in here, that we, we can know today as we leave this place that we're not people without a hope. We're not people that, that don't have something to be able to rejoice in, but regardless of where our lives are, that we can rejoice in you. We can be grateful to you because of what you've done and what you've promised to do, God. So I pray that you help us this morning as we worship, as we respond, as we sing, to know that you're so good. You're so worthy, and you're good despite our present circumstances, and that you're good in it, God, and that you're worthy of our worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray.